about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The second reading is from Luke chapter 11, chapter 11 verses 9 to 13. Luke chapter 11, from verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, friends... Good evening, good to be with you live here in church. I don't know what your day's been like, I don't know what your week's been like, but it's good to be connecting with you even in this small way. Look forward to seeing some faces over Zoom a bit later. We're thinking about God's fatherhood in these three weeks together, what it means to have a father in heaven, what he's like, how he relates to us. But the passage we have today from Matthew 6 in particular doesn't start there, it starts instead with our worries. Friend, I wonder what's worrying you today. What's filling your bandwidth, your mind, your soul, your heart, your thoughts, uh, your nervousness? What's occupying that space in your head? Maybe you're wondering about how tomorrow will go, how long this thing will go on for. Maybe you're concerned about someone in particular or a world event that's happened that has nothing to do with COVID at all. Maybe you have something happening in your life that really no one else knows about. Maybe you're just not sure how life is going to keep working for you in the way it's been at the moment. I don't know what it is. Friends, what are you worried about today? Jesus wants to meet us in our worries. He says, I tell you, do not be worried about your life, about what you drink or what your body needs to wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? 
And what Jesus does to address our worries this evening is actually to take us out into the world, to point out to us the birds and the lilies out there in the creation, who, if you listen close enough, will teach you. Now, in year 10, which tragically was 20 years ago this year, if you can believe I'm that old, uh, I did a science experiment. My friends were building robots. I decided to sit in my backyard for 40 hours and observe the movement and migration patterns of various birds. No, I'm not kidding. And I have pages of inane notes of how they move between trees and bushes for different reasons as proof to you. But I really, to be honest, didn't even get a good mark and didn't even learn much at all. But Jesus says today that if you take your worries out and start looking at birds and flowers, what you'll see is evidence of a heavenly father who is good and gracious and present to his creation and to you. And so let's go with Jesus and let's see what the birds and the lilies have to teach us about our Heavenly Father and what He's like and how He can help us in the midst of our worries, even this evening. I've got four things today from Matthew 6 and Luke 11 at the end uh, about what the birds and the lilies teach us about God, our Heavenly Father. And the first one is this. They teach us that our Almighty Father gives life. Now here's a pop quiz if you're fast enough in the chat. In the Apostles' Creed, the first article says, we believe in God the Father and what follows straight after it. I'll give you three seconds. We believe in God the Father, the Creator of heaven and earth. In the Creed, the thing that God the Father does is create. He makes things. He provides and sustains life unnecessarily, and yet to the minutest detail. Our Father is in the business of providing and sustaining and giving life. That's what Jesus teaches us in the middle of Matthew 6. We'll do the whole thing in a second, but let's just zoom in on verse 26. Just as this tortoise is being fed by a hand, so Jesus says, that your heavenly Father feeds the birds of the air. And it's really interesting that Jesus says that because the way he says it just reminds us of all of these texts in the Old Testament where God is described as an intimate creator who hands food to each creature at the right time. Like Psalm 145. The eyes of all look to you. And you give them the food, their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. This is God your Father in heaven, giving life to chicks and tortoises and birds and you. He is in the business of life, of creating life. And this isn't just something he has as he Creates It's something that's in himself as God, giving life and begetting his son and handing life to his son and that life in the spirit overflowing to us in creation. God the Father in the triune God is the life 
give up handing life to Son and Spirit. As Martin Luther reflects on this article, that's what you call it, of the Creed, he says this remarkable thing about what it really means for us. Uh, This is called a catechism, where there's a question and an answer. It's an old school way of teaching us the faith. What does this mean, he says? It means, I believe that God has made me and all creatures, and that he's given me my body and soul and eyes and ears and all my limbs and my reason, all my senses, and, and still preserves them. In addition, clothing and shoes and meat and drink and house and homestead, wife and children, fields and cattle and all my goods, that he provides me richly and daily with all that I need to support this body and life and protects me from all danger and guards me and preserves me from all evil. And all of this out of pure fatherly, divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. This is your Father in heaven. He has given you every blessing you have today. He's given you your mind. He's given you your heart. He's given you the food that you've consumed this evening and snacked on during the day. All of it is from his hand. He, the almighty Father of heaven. Get your head around this. This is the incomprehensible nature of God the Father. He, the highest holy God, the head of the triune God, stoops to feed caterpillars, is intimately involved with a world that he made from his own wisdom and design and love. You see, we see in this what true authority and power really should look like. Here's what being a father could look like and being a mother or being a manager of people or if any of you have any incidental power in any of your days, here is how to wield it, to give life, to preserve life, to confirm life, to flourish life after the likeness of your heavenly father. And here, too, is the great critique and condemnation of all false patterns of power, of domineering control that kills and harms at the expense of life. Those abusive and bullying pastors in churches, those abusive, abhorrent spouses in homes, are alike critiqued and condemned by God the Father, who he himself holds ultimate authority, yet stoops to bring life. Our Father Almighty is in the business of life. It's the first thing the birds and the lilies teach us. But the second thing we see here is that God our Father, as he gives life, has a perfect, complete full knowledge of all our needs. This is where we kind of head further into the passage, and as Jesus gets us to look at things, uh, he starts to show us the intimate control and concern that God has for the least of his creatures, for birds and for lilies, for the birds of the air. He says, look at the birds of the air. 
They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? That word look, as you can see, I've kind of uh, made it purple, to just point out that it's not just a word for glancing at something or just seeing it in the distance for a moment. That's a word that means to examine closely, to consider, to linger over. The word see that's used a a bit later when he talks about lilies and flowers is actually the word for letting something teach you, explain something to you, to, to sit under it as a pupil. Jesus is saying, go out into the world and let it teach you. Let it disciple you. Let it preach to you. And he says, as you go out, look at these birds. They don't need to stockpile toilet paper. They don't even need you know, a barn to store food in, nor a 24-7 convenience store to quickly go out with their credit card. All of them are fed by the God, our Father in heaven. Which is an extraordinary fact. There are between 50 and 430 billion birds in the world. And our heavenly Father feeds everyone, Jesus says. Aren't you much more valuable than one of those, friend? Or he says, go, look, look, see, examine, be, be taught by the, the, the flowers of the field. See how the flowers of the field, the lilies grow. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And that's how God clothed the grass of the field, just here today, and tomorrow is just thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? These, these flowers are arrayed in beauty and glory by God unnecessarily. They last a day. And yet, like an intricate artist, God has shaped and molded and given each their beauty in their time. How much more does he care for us? Incidentally, there are some insane flowers in the world, can I say, that Google has taught me? Like this very strange kind of Star Wars death ray flower, or these baby and boat flowers that I found, or even these, you know, creepy monkey flowers. That's what you see, right? I see creepy monkeys. I don't know what you see, but that's what's there for me. But each of these intricately made by a God in heaven. And what Jesus wants to say is, does not the God who feeds every bird and clothes every flower, does he not know what you need? In fact, Jesus says, Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Your heavenly Father knows. He knows not just you as an idea, he knows you perfectly. And he knows what you need. He knows your vulnerabilities right now in the midst of life. There's bits where you feel exposed by your circumstances or by relationships or by things beyond your control. He knows the things you're really aching for. He knows the things you wish you had but you don't have. 
And he knows what you need tomorrow to get through the day. He is as intimately acquainted with all of your ways and all of your thoughts and all of your heart as he is with every flower in the field. Friend, he is the high king of heaven and he perfectly knows you. But maybe the the question for us as Jesus summons us out to the birds and the lilies is perhaps we are allowing our news feed and our binge watching to disciple us more than the good creation that God has given us. Then maybe we are filling our minds, filling our worries, fueling our anxiety with the things we're actually filling our attention with. I think Jesus is saying something really profound here. He is calling for a shift of attention away from the things that we are preoccupied by and onto our Heavenly Father, whose richness and provision and grace and goodness should be the object of our attention and our affection. And all we need to do to see him is to wander out and look at the night sky. Friend, he perfectly knows you. Let the heavens tell you. But the reason why Jesus is telling us this at this point, and he really kind of snookers us into it a little bit, giving us this wonderful vision of God our Father who knows us, who provides for us. Really what Jesus is asking us to do is to spend less attention and energy and focus on the things that we tend to worry too much over and to instead pursue his kingdom and righteousness. What we end up doing is spending too much time being anxious about things that God our Father has already sorted out that are well within his bounds as creator and high king of heaven. But our God and Father made this world for a reason. He has a purpose. He has a trajectory. He has an end point in mind. And he is actually summoning us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and to to allow him to provide for all these other things. But where do we see this kingdom and this righteousness? What, What are we talking about when we say these things? Well, God's kingdom, God's righteousness comes into the world in Jesus Christ. Just earlier in uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus summons and says to us that we are to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. But none of us are. But He is. Jesus is the perfection of God the Father come among us. He is the full righteousness of God and He is the one who the Father has sent into the world to bring about His kingdom. 
We see wondrously in 1 Corinthians 15 as Paul thinks about the kingdom and the Father that that there will come this day when Jesus will return and, and the end will come, he says, and Jesus will hand over the kingdom to God the Father after he, Jesus, has destroyed all dominion and authority and power. For Jesus must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Here is the purpose of God the Father. To conquer every one of his enemies. To conquer every other dominion, authority, and power. Through Jesus Christ, his son. Until that day when the dead are raised and the final enemy is destroyed and Jesus will hand a perfected kingdom back to his father. That is what God the Father is doing in the world through the death and resurrection of Jesus, is dismantling every enemy and opposing power in us and in the world. And our Father wants us to train our attention upon Jesus, upon what He is doing in the world, upon how we are becoming like Him in the power of God's Spirit. God, your Father, is perfecting you by His Son and in His Spirit, making you like Him, making you like Jesus. And He's asking you today to kind of train your attention back onto that. I don't think this is something in addition to all the things that are happening in your life right now. I think this is just a little shift of attention about those things. What if the patience that's required to sustain life right now or or the self-control you have to show daily or the, the peace and joy you have to reach out for in an extraordinary way? What if all those things are the Father bringing about righteousness in you? What if He is going about His kingdom purpose as you sit at home watching church today? In and through your ordinary worries? What if within your grasp, even under a stay-at-home order, are the purposes of the kingdom of God and the extension of His glory and the making much of His Son to those you love, to those who desperately need to know, to those aspects of, of His creation which you are investing in during the week? Friend, do not let your worries crowd out his kingdom. Instead, entrust your worries to your father and pursue his righteousness instead. But is that really possible? Does it even sound easy to you this evening? I think Jesus has actually, as he finishes this part of the Sermon on the Mount, a very realistic conclusion. That there is a lot of trouble in life. And that these things are true of our Father, even in a world of trouble. Did you notice that word, trouble? It's at the end of verse 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, these verses, if you go Googling for them or Instagramming for them, have some really 
kind of cutesy um, prints. You might have one of these on your phone. Please do not be offended by me saying this this evening. But it's really interesting, the emphasis of these different kind of things. You've got this wood, this big do not worry, which is great. Then you have this kind of scenic ocean serenity now kind of uh, interpretation. Or maybe there's the takeaway coffee in the park, looking at the sun. These are all great. There's nothing wrong with these, okay? I'm just just want to point out that they do overlook something incredibly radical that Jesus says here. That perhaps the King James Version brings out better. Because that word trouble, it's not just discomfort, you know, something's going wrong. It's a word for really bad calamities happening. The KJV says, bear with it, it's a bit weird. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, then get this, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Here again as graffitis, sufficient unto the day are the evils thereof. You see, this whole time, Jesus hasn't been talking about this perfect netherland where everything just works well and the birds are fed and you're fed and everything's fine. He's talking about a world where each day is filled with such evil, why would you import tomorrow's evil into today? Every day is full of trouble. Every day has calamities. Every day has its problems. Jesus says, in this world of evil and trouble, even when things are going badly, you can trust your father. You can trust the one who in the midst of the evil and the trouble still clothes the flowers and feeds the birds. That trusting God the father, your creator, is possible even in the gritty, difficult things of life. But, but maybe we need to just take it one step further, which Luke 11, I think, helps us with, because God needs to, the Father needs to give us something else. He needs to provide something more than clothes and food to help us in the midst of these things. And so we hear him in Luke 11, where he's talking about prayer and persisting in prayer, this extraordinary promise. He's got to run up to it. Which of you fathers... If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. Anyone this evening? Or if he asks for, say, a boiled egg and some soldiers to dip, dip the, the yolk in, we'll serve up a scorpion. I mean, that's crazy. I'm not going to do that. That's just mean. It's, it's evil, right? Jesus says, if you then, though you're evil, that's an interesting word about heavenly fathers. We're all evil. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What will the Father give us in a troublesome world? How can he possibly provide? He provides by giving us his greatest treasure. His very spirit, his very self, poured out 
within us, testifying to us that there is a Father who the evil of this world cannot touch. And despite how strange the world may be, it has not left his firm hands, nor has your life lost or been left from his control. A spirit who strengthens us moment by moment, who floods us with the righteousness of God the Father and the Son himself, who fills us up from the inside out with Jesus Christ, that we might not be so consumed with our worry, but consumed with him. Him who was the perfect righteousness of God, and yet willingly took on many days of evil and trouble, and one day of complete evil to fulfill the Father's Look through your life through the lens of his cross. He who secured the Holy Spirit, the Father's affection and eternal life for you. He is the evidence that your Father is with you in the midst of whatever is happening for you today. That you can trust him. And that if you are feeling desperate and vulnerable and at the end of yourself, if you ask him for help, he will flood you with his spirit, his highest treasure, who he always gives to, him, who his, to his children whom he loves. So friend, look out at the night sky. Look tomorrow at the flowers of the field and the birds in the air and let them preach to you that your Father has this and he has you. So pursue his kingdom and righteousness. Amen. listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.